Well, hello, great to be together online. Thank you so much for joining us today. And my name's Phil Wilfew. I'm part of the leadership team at the church. And it's just great to be together to get into God's words today. And so if you've got a Bible and you want to follow along today, we're going to be in Acts chapter 19 and verse 1. And this message is simply called, Did You Receive the Spirit? Question mark. So Acts 19 and verse 1, and we're going to just dive straight in. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the interior and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did he receive the Holy Spirit when he became believers? No, they answered. We've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Into what then were you baptized? Paul asked. The baptism of John, they replied. Paul explained John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, and that is in Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them all, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Right, let's look at this passage together with the question, did you receive the Spirit? So Paul and his buddy Apollos, they are traveling around the known world at the time, preaching about Jesus having died and having been raised again to life. And they are traveling through uh, places like Turkey and Greece, and they're starting new churches. And Paul suddenly finds himself uh, in Ephesus, and he goes looking for some disciples. In other words, he goes looking for some people who are actually wanting to live like Jesus. Notice that Paul doesn't find some church attenders. He doesn't find some cultural Christians. What he looks for are disciples. Now, the word disciple literally means learner. It's from the Greek word methetes, which literally means someone who's learning how to live life like somebody else. And so Paul is concerned to find people who are actively leaning in to live like Jesus. And what's fascinating is Paul's very first question once he finds them. Have you noticed the question that he asks? He says, did you receive the Spirit? Did you receive the Spirit when you became believers? Now, what we see with this verse and many others in the New Testament is that the Apostle Paul's apostolic priority was the coming of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit upon all those who believed in Jesus. This was an apostolic priority so high that it would be the first question that he asks to disciples when he finds them. Did you receive the Spirit when you believed? This was an apostolic priority because Paul understood that the coming of the Spirit of God on the people of God transformed everything. It was an apostolic priority. And you know, many of us have had experiences of encountering the person of the Holy Spirit. Scripture describes the Holy Spirit as the, the third person of the Trinity. He is God. He is the third person in the, in the Godhead. One God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And many of us have had our own stories of those moments where the person of the Holy Spirit has encountered us in ways that transformed us. And I certainly have. Um, I remember at the, the tender age of about 12, 
being introduced to the person of the Holy Spirit. And I was a believer in Jesus, a little bit like these disciples. I believed Jesus died and rose again. I, I trusted in Jesus, but I really wasn't living in any sense of God's power or presence in my life. And I remember going on a weekend away as a 12 year old with a whole bunch of other young people actually uh, up into Earthingborough in Northampton, so not too far from here. And I remember someone teaching about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And some friends prayed for me that evening. And honestly, I didn't really feel much. I, I didn't feel any smells, bells or whistles. Uh, there was nothing demonstrative or dramatic that happened to me. But I tell you, the next day, it was literally like God had turned all the lights on in my life. And I started to notice radical changes <laughs> On the inside of me you know suddenly i wanted to worship and lift my hands formerly i'd been very timid and locked up and fearful about what other people would think and suddenly I just couldn't help but worship him uh, i started to open up the word of god and read the bible just it was almost like the first time i'd ever read scripture and as it leapt out of the page and began to speak to my heart I remember being in a season when God started to speak to me personally, where I felt like I could learn to hear the Holy Spirit's voice giving me prophetic words. And suddenly everything changed. It was like night and day experience for me the day after I received the person of the Holy Spirit. And so friends, the coming of the Spirit is a massive priority for the disciples of Jesus. And so I want us to understand why this was such an apostolic priority for Paul, as we see in this passage we've read today. And so the first reason it was an apostolic priority is that the coming of the Spirit, it's one of the big ideas of Scripture. It's one of the big ideas. And the big idea is this, is that God's creational design is that we would be with him. Strip it all away, strip the, 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 the story of the Bible right back to its most simplest message from Genesis through to the end of the Bible in Revelation. What is the story really about? Well, the story is about this, a God who wants to be with his people and who wants his people to be with him. This is the big story of scripture is a God who's not far off or removed or distant from us, but his name is Emmanuel. That's one of God's names, God with us. And in the heart of our father, God is a longing and a, a loving and a desiring to be with his people and that they would be with him in his presence. This is the big idea of creation is that you were created to be with him. And so for the apostles, as they are finding disciples and believers, the coming of the Spirit was so critical because the coming of the Spirit was about being a people in the presence of God, a people who are living and walking and enjoying God in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. You see, primarily the Bible is not an information book. It's an invitation book. And it's an invitation to get to know the author. When you open up the pages of the Bible, it's not just designed to make you more educated. 
I've suggested that many Christians are overeducated but underexperienced because they don't understand that the Bible is actually an invitation book to you and me to come and taste and see that the Lord is good. We're invited to get to know the author of the story that we're reading because this is God's creational design for you and I that we would live in his presence. And that's why you see this story repeated right from the, the beginning of the Bible all the way through to the end, where it describes the, the culmination of the, the end of the ages. So from the beginning of creation to the end of it, the story is the same. God with us and us with him. And that's why the end of the ages is not actually described as a, as a, a missions trip, but as a wedding feast. <laughs> So where we're heading to all eternity, it's described like a wedding. It's called the wedding feast of the Lamb. And the idea is that we are, we are not on task, but we're into enjoyment. And that God created us to both glorify him, but also enjoy him forever. And the reason that missions exist is because worship doesn't. That's what John Piper says. He says this, that we, we can only commend to other people what we ourselves are cherishing. Just think about that. We can only commend to others what we ourselves are cherishing. In other words, the best advert for the reality of the gospel and the goodness of God are Christians who are actually enjoying God and who know him. We become the best advert for the truth that we're communicating if we are cherishing and enjoying him. And friends, so often I think Christians look like they've been sucking lemons and they just, they, they, they look unhappy and they look intense and they, 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 you know, they're not a great advert for the fact that Jesus is alive. We love him. He loves us. He's filled us with his spirit. And we are enjoying a God that we were created to know. You see, when you start to enjoy God by living in his presence and an awareness of his nearness, you become the very best advert for the truth that Jesus is actually alive and that he created people to know him. And that's why Paul, when he finds these believers, says, did you receive the Spirit? Did you receive the Spirit? You know, I've just come back from a winter break with Carol, my wife, and where we had three weeks together. And every morning we would go and walk down by the seafront and we would pray together. We would chat. We would look at creation. We would give thanks to God for his goodness in our lives and we would just hang out together and yes we even held hands and she laughed at my jokes and we just hung out and we had a brilliant time together and that's a picture I guess of how God created us to be with him he created us to walk with him in friendship in fellowship in nearness that's what he made us for and so being a people of the Spirit is the big idea because the big idea is that we're with God and that we glorify and enjoy Him. The, the second reason why this is such an apostolic priority is that quite simply Jesus modelled being a man of the Spirit. Jesus modelled it. He lived a life full of the Holy Spirit's presence. And He is the model. He is the prototype perfect human being. And so if you're, you're looking to model your life as a disciple, if you're a learner, you're, you're learning 
Well, you're learning how to live like Jesus. He is the model. He's the prototype. He is the, the, the one that is the blueprint for us. And Jesus modeled living a life full of the Holy Spirit. And we see this all the way through the story of Jesus' life, that he was a man full of and led by the person of the Holy Spirit. And you may remember that little moment where Pontius Pilate, at just before Jesus' crucifixion, he didn't really know what he was saying, but he brings Jesus in front of the people and he says, Behold the man. He didn't know what he was saying, but something profound came out of Pilate's mouth at that moment because he was saying, Listen, behold the man the prototype, the perfect human being, the one in whom there was no sin, the one who walked perfectly with God, the one who pleased God in every way. And how? By walking by the Spirit. So Jesus is the model for us of a man who, yes, was fully God, but in his humanity lived dependent on the person of the Holy Spirit. You see this all the way through Jesus' life. You know, at his baptism, Luke 3.22, we see the Spirit coming on Jesus in the form of a dove and he hears the voice of the Father. You're my son and with you I'm well pleased. We see the Holy Spirit leading Jesus into the wilderness, Luke 4, to be tempted. And then coming out the other side of the wilderness, it says Jesus came out of the desert in the power of the Spirit, Luke 4.14. You know, as Jesus then goes to his hometown synagogue in Nazareth and he opens the scroll of Isaiah, Luke 4.18. What does he read? It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the captives. And he, he, he kind of rolls the scroll up, gives it back to the attendant, sits down. He says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, I am the man anointed by the Holy Spirit to bring freedom to captives. You know, we see it all the way through the story of Jesus. He's the man anointed by the Spirit. And interestingly, the presence of the Spirit in Jesus' life is how John the Baptist actually recognized that Jesus really was the promised Messiah. He had nothing else to go on other than the one on whom you see the Spirit rest. He is the chosen anointed one. You can read that in John 1, 33. It was the Spirit that marked Jesus out as God's Son. It was the distinguishing characteristic of his life so much that John says, there's the man, the one who's marked by the presence of the Spirit. He is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. It was the mark of the Spirit that caused him to stand out. And I guess the question for us is, is it the presence of the Spirit that marks us out as God's children in the earth today? Do people, when they come into contact with us, whether it's in our workplaces and our homes or our friendships, do they actually encounter the presence of the Spirit when they come into contact with us? Because friends, they should. And that's why it was an apostolic priority for Paul. Did you receive the Spirit? Because the coming of the Spirit marks us out as Jesus people, people who walk and live and look like him. Did you receive the Spirit? And then the third cause of this priority for Paul was understanding that the coming of the Spirit in our lives is the cause of fruitfulness. It's actually the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit working in us that causes us to bear fruit for God, to be transformed, to come alive on the inside. You know, I have only um, ever driven my car 
once to a point where it completely ran out of fuel. <laughs> and I don't know if you've ever had that experience where you kind of you're watching the 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 little petrol meter come up on your dash and you're kind of leaving it to the last possible minute to fill up and you know you're trying to make it last as long as possible well i had one experience where i did that and i actually ran out of petrol and it was here in bedford and i remember the car just completely stopping uh, on goldington road i had to pull over to the side of the road and it was gone <clears throat> and that was a lesson to me that no matter how fancy your car you know, my car still had all its bells and whistles and air conditioning and airbags and cup holders and nice upholstery and all that kind of stuff. Ultimately, a car with no fuel is not going anywhere. It doesn't matter how shiny it looks on the outside. Ultimately, a car with no fuel is useless. It's useless. Cars were designed to run on something that turns it into what it was intended to be. And, and friends, disciples of Jesus are meant to run on the fuel of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that causes us to bear fruit for God. And that's why this is such an apostolic priority. And of course, all the early disciples had seen this in their own lives. Just think about the story of the 12 disciples or the 11 by the time Judas had gone. They're, after the resurrection, they're hiding in an upper room for fear of the Jews. And then the Holy Spirit comes on them and they are radically transformed from timid people into people who are willing to literally lay down their lives for Jesus. Um, Eleven of the twelve disciples we know were martyred for their faith. They died for their beliefs. They were so courageous that they were willing to lay down their lives for Jesus. Whereas before they were hiding in an upper room. How does that transformation happen from hiding to martyrdom? <laughs> I tell you, it happens because of the coming and the presence of the Holy Spirit. God changed them from within because of his presence. And the Bible talks about some just astonishing <clears throat> fruit and impact of the Spirit in our lives. Just listen to this kind of list of things that the Spirit does to transform us when he comes on our lives. First one is, is assurance that we are God's children. You know, I don't know if you've ever battled from time to time about your sense of identity. Am I really God's child? Does he really love me? Am I really saved? You know, I, I know believers who've struggled for years not really having any assurance that they really were Christians despite their best efforts, living just in this insecurity of not really knowing you know, living from a performance mentality of as long as I'm doing well, then God will be pleased and I'll be secure in my sonship or daughterhood. Then if you've ever had those experiences, well, friends, what's the answer? The answer is receive the Holy Spirit. You know, Romans 8.13, uh, Romans 8.15 says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. So how do we live in a rock solid assurance and security of who we are? Receive the Holy Spirit. And he affirms it on the inside. You know, another fruit of the coming of the spirit is that we know God more. 
Again, have you ever had that longing? God, I just want to know you. I want to know you more. There's so much to know. And how do I know a God who is unsearchable and, 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 and so huge, so much bigger than my comprehension? Well, the answer is receive the person of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1, 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the Spirit. Why? The Spirit of wisdom and revelation, so that you may know him better. Receive the Spirit and you start to grow in your knowledge of God. Another fruit is that we get changed to look like Jesus when we receive the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. We are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory. How does this happen? Which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. You want to be more like Jesus? I want to be more like Jesus. How's that going to happen? Well, it's not going to happen just through my hard work and effort. It's going to come as I partner with and receive the person of the Holy Spirit. He is the one who changes me from one degree of glory to another so that I look like Jesus. You know, unity with others. There's so much disunity, isn't there, around? We see it. People in this camp or that camp. How does unity happen? It happens by receiving the Spirit. Ephesians 4 verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. And I could go on and on about the fruit of what happens when we live as people full of the Holy Spirit. He's the one that gives us gifts so that we can serve one another. He's the one that produces the fruit of the Spirit in our life, like love and kindness and patience towards others. The Spirit is the one who gets us on mission with the Father. Acts 1 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. I know for me, the moment I got transformed to being someone who actually wanted to tell others about Jesus was when I started to receive and be filled with the power of the Spirit. And so this is why it's such an apostolic priority that we not just be believers who put bums on seats on a Sunday morning, that we don't just attend, that we don't become cultural Christians, that we don't even just become overeducated Christians that read their Bibles alone, but never actually walk with God. It's an apostolic priority to receive the person of the Spirit because by him we live and move and have our being and live to the fullness as God created us. So in conclusion, what do we do in response to all this? Well, Ephesians 5 verse 17 tells us, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to reckless indiscretion. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. (coughs) Sing and make music in your hearts to the Lord always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The the Greek tense in that word is the present continuous. So it doesn't just mean be filled with the Spirit once when you first believed. It means go on being filled with the Spirit. And this is our simple response, is that we prioritise what God has commanded us to prioritise. Go on being filled with the Spirit. And notice the atmosphere in which it happens is an atmosphere of thankfulness, of gratitude, of God-centeredness, of worship. 
And so often it's those moments of worshipping him, of bringing thanksgiving before God, that we also then begin to ask him to fill us afresh. And scripture's promise is brilliant to us. It says, listen, if you ask the Father for the Spirit, he will give you the Spirit. And so friends, my challenge to you, like Paul's, is this. Did you receive the Spirit? Have you received the Spirit? And are you receiving the Spirit on an ongoing basis? All you have to do is come with a hunger for God, ask a good heavenly Father who will be pleased to fill you with his power and his presence. And so Lord, I just wanna pray for everybody watching today that you would right now come and fill them again with the power and presence of your Holy Spirit. Come Lord, come now. Fill us again. See every hungry, thirsty heart that is tuning in and pulling on the truth of these words today. I ask you, God, come and fill us afresh with your power and with your presence. Let us be a people of the Spirit who walk with you, talk with you, who look like Jesus and who bear the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Fill us, God. Forgive us for trying to do this in our own strength. And we just say, God, fill our lives afresh with your Holy Spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.